broadcasting on the BBC to all points unknown. If you're within the sound of my voice, you're listening to Welcome Home Podcast on the BBC. Hello, Welcome Home listeners. Thank you for joining us on episode 29 of Welcome Home, a Disney Parks and Vacation Club podcast. I'm Tom. I'm here with Trevor. Uh, no Damon today, just me and Trevor. Uh, so I was trying yeah. to think of like a cool like nickname for like when it's just you and I. It's like a ch- Tomver. Tomver. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my is it, gosh. Is it, somebody can think of a better name, maybe. I'm sure somebody but, can. We yeah. usually get good names when people recommend them to us i'm also extremely tired i i, I had a my first yes. child last weekend so I, yes and congratulations tom that's thank awesome. you thank you very much it was a little unexpected we were we were due may 9th and uh you know it was supposed to supposed to have a uh c-section actually on 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 may 2nd just due to some because uh, the baby decided she didn't want to turn so she wanted to be breached but um <laughs> then my wife called me on saturday i actually the funny thing is i was going to see black panther finally i was like way behind on this and i was finally going to see black panther because my wife couldn't go oh you know she just and those of you that out there that have had pregnant wives or are women that are have been pregnant know that especially towards the end uh there you get really uncomfortable and you just can't sit still basically um and and so we really haven't been able to go and see any movies. So I, my wife was going to a bridal shower and I was like, all right, I'll go see Black Panther. And so I get out of Black Panther and maybe like a half hour later, I get a phone call and she's like, my water broke. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I was like, what do we do now? <laughs> you go. So, you go. Yeah. So so uh, so ran to the hospital and, uh, you know, been been home for uh, a couple days now. So I, I'm, I'm slightly tired uh, as, as some of you new parents out there or, or you know, for you know, current parents know. Uh, the first couple of weeks are a little rough, but uh, I'm going to do my best today to, to to put put a show together with Trevor. So <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it's super exciting, and yeah, we'll we'll try to make this uh, as painless for you as possible. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it's it's always good to to talk about some things. So yeah. related to Disney. So <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, I wanted to kind of start this week by talking about last week, actually, or last episode, I should say, because we are every other week. Uh, we did a we did a little segment in the beginning of the last episode about uh, the first welcome home, which for those of you that hadn't heard the last episode, uh, you know, the idea of when you're a new direct buyer to DVC, uh, that Disney will help you get reservations that are not attainable. So and, and Trevor actually had some experience with this where he was able to get a uh, reservation at a, at a resort that wasn't available, uh, you know, showing as unavailable. So we had kind of thrown a poll out there to see how many of our listeners uh, also knew about this. Cause I was curious cause I, you know, and, and talking me talking on this last week, I had no idea that it existed until I saw somebody post on Facebook about it. And then Trevor, you said that you knew about it, mm-hmm. but, um, but so we actually put out a poll out there and we got 52 votes, which is great. Thanks everybody for voting. Uh, and 67% of you had never heard of or never been able to use your first welcome home. So I don't feel as bad now. <laughs> and that, that surprises me because at, at least when I was talking to my DBC rep, he was very like he, he was kind of using that as a selling point, which yeah. I, I get. I guess it also depends. Like, like the you know, the, this is if anybody who's bought direct, like if you're talking to a DBC rep direct. I would think they would be trying to, you know, advertise this. But I, it's also kind of a hard place for them to be too, because like I read in some of the comments that that you guys posted that you know they do 
they provide this because I guess it's it's a, a thing for timeshares that they do have to try and honor your first booking. Like they can't, you know, buy you into a timeshare and then say, sorry, you can't do anything for the first two years. So, so I think they kind of keep this on the side as a, you know, as a way to, you know, help people that have bought in mm-hmm. right away. And, and yeah, exactly what it is, you know, get something that may be otherwise unavailable, but I don't think they want to necessarily throw it out there for everybody because then, you know, every new person that comes in under a contract is kind of expecting the impossible, which yeah, it, it sets a bad precedent, right? Exactly. So, you can't expect the impossible with, with, you know, with any of this, but yeah. I think you're right. I almost feel like it's something like they never brought it up to me because I was on vacation and we weren't even planning on booking another vacation until next year. So I almost wonder if they mention this to people when they have short timelines or if they're trying to push somebody over the edge or I don't know. I I, th- I found it really interesting in the comments that a lot of people were saying, I did a lot of research on this on, on DVC before I purchased and I'd never heard of this. And that's kind of how I was. I mean, you know, we're, we do a DVC podcast and I, I I've never heard of this, you know, yeah, <laughs> and, just, and but like I said, for us, it, like we spent probably a month going back and forth with our, our rep before we finally purchased. And I mean, he brought it up in there maybe. And like you said, maybe that was the thing is that it was, it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, we walked in and we were just like, we're going to buy this now. I think it was because we, we kept asking questions and kept going on that he was kind of throwing things out there. And maybe that's, maybe that's the approach with this is that they don't mention it up front because if you're you know going to buy it anyway, then they don't need to mention it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, there's no yeah. need to mention something. They, they don't need to go out of their way if it's, if you're already going to buy it or if you don't need it. Right. So right. in my case, I didn't need it. So they didn't bring it up. Um, but you know, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I, I thought it was interesting that we saw a lot of comments where people were like, I had no idea this was a thing or I tried it and it didn't work, which, you know, given this is not a guaranteed thing, they don't guarantee that they're going to be able to find you a room that's listed as unavailable, but they do, try to help you with one so yeah and there's no way they can guarantee that they can do it so yeah exactly but but yeah once again you know great that you guys um voted on it and we got some good comments on it and everything so yeah yeah for sure it's kind of a neat little tidbit (laughs) yeah exactly i feel good now that i'm not the only one that had no idea about this so (laughs) i mean i feel slightly better so uh you know going down the same dvc route here uh you know and and this we're going to use some terminology that especially new dvc members and and truthfully i I, this stuff confuses me too and i don't know about you trevor but i'm always reading this stuff and i'm like i don't even know what this means but yeah kind of (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh, and i saw this though i want to and i wanted to bring it up and and that's um the copper creek you know which is uh pretty much one of the the newest uh, you know, areas that's for sale. One of the new uh, Disney vacation development areas for sale um, basically had filed for a declaration, um, which basically is it's adding units into the pool of available rooms to members. Right. So as far as I understand it, <laughs> so I, I don't know. Uh, Are you going to say something? Uh, well, so the way I understand the, the declared thing is so so the the whole condo area is built already right yep but um they're not so the inventory is not available like let's say you know they've got a hundred rooms they don't just you know right off the bat say they have a hundred rooms available if they haven't sold the amount of points needed to fill a hundred rooms exactly so yeah they, they start off with you know like 50 rooms available 
And then they, and then as more people buy into it, they will release more rooms as inventory that you can book on the website. And the rest of those rooms are just left as cash. So actually it's kind of interesting because this, uh, um, this info about Copper, Copper Creek, yeah, I can't Copper talk. Creek? <laughs> yes. Copper Creek, uh, having more of their rooms declared that actually kind of plays back into the first welcome home a little yes. bit. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's why I put it there. Obviously, yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> because we're it, really good at transitions. So uh, exactly, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but so it's a Trevor's point. Basically, you know, declared inventory can be reserved with vacation points. Uh, you know, the, these are vacation areas that are kind of associated with uh, the the ownership interests that have been purchased by members. And so, um, basically, right now, Copper Creek is fifty percent declared. So basically, fifty percent sold out. If you want to look at it that way. Um, yeah. So yeah, exactly. So which it's, it sounds like it's actually selling pretty quickly, which is which is good. Um, but a, a lot of people don't realize too. You know, you always see the comment, and I don't know if we've even ever addressed this on the show before. But the whole idea of like you know sometimes people will go and look and even uh, look on the availability tool on the DVC website, and they'll be like, wait a second, how come there's no availability for me as a DVC member? But then if I go onto Disney World's website, I could pay cash for a room. Right. And, and a lot of this that is, is why be, this is why. Yeah. And so and, and, you know, there's a lot of different things that go on with this. Like, for example, if I decide to use my if I have own points at Bay Lake and I decide to use those points to stay at a non DVC property, let's say I decide I want to stay at uh, Port Orleans. I don't know. And so in order for them to pay for that, for that transition, they're actually paying they're, they're going to use, uh, you know, my points and they're going to pay uh, for that room at Port Orleans. Because remember, Disney Vacation Developments, DVC, is is a separate entity from Disney World and from, from the Walt Disney Company. It's a separate entity. Um, it's not from the Walt Disney Company. It's, a, it's just kind of a division, but they are separate, right? And so um, when you're doing that, that room then, th- those amount of points, they get put into the cash inventory, right? And the reason is that's how they end up paying for me staying at Port Orleans, and I hope that makes sense. But um, that's kind of why that happens is these rooms, some of these rooms get put into the cash inventory when we decide to use those points for uh, things that are outside of our resort. Um, it also happens, you know, that there's a, there's an inventory of rooms that are just cash rooms anyway. And I've always heard that that was due to uh, DVC, not DVC, but um, uh, timeshare laws. So, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. That they, they do have to, they can't say that everything is 100% booked and there is no way you would ever be able to make use of your points within a year. I mean, within a certain week, yes, they can say, you know, everything's booked. We can't get you what you want, but it, they can't ever work it into a position where it's impossible to ever use your points. Absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, that that was a little bit of a tangent, but still, I think I think interesting for the for the DVC discussion anyway. <laughs> yeah, but. Um, now on to, you know, just general parks things, you know, there's not always a ton of, uh, DVC news out there. We, so, you know, we, we try to cover a couple topics each week, but, uh, you know, there isn't always, uh, you know, things to talk about with that. So wanted to bring this up and I don't know why we didn't bring this up weeks ago when it was announced, but I, I thought this looked kind of pretty cool. Uh, and, and this is a Donald's Dino Bash, which yeah. is, which is pretty neat. Um, it's going to be, for those of you that haven't seen this, uh, Animal Kingdom will be, uh, and this is in the, obviously, the Dino Land area, right? Um, we'll be adding this, uh, it's, it almost looks like a show, but it's not. It's 
from what I can tell anyway. Um, it's, I, I, I don't know. It's kind of like a stage show, but, but they also kinda, have meet and greets too. Yeah, it kind of yeah. seems that way, but it's not very specific about that, right? So, uh, but beginning May 25th, basically, Donald's uh, and, and a bunch of the other characters are kind of so you know so-called taking over uh, uh the dinoland area and transforming it into a celebration uh and basically there's going to be different meet and greets that will be uh and they'll be wearing like dinosaur inspired costumes so the cool thing about this is you'll be able to meet and you know meet and greets have been kind of i don't want to say sparse at animal kingdom but uh, you know there used to be camp mini mickey where you can meet some guests i mean you can meet some characters um, but you know, not not as much uh, since that that area was gone. Um, but you'll be able to meet like Donald, Daisy, Pluto, Goofy. The one that I got excited about was Launchpad. I think mm-hmm. that one's pretty cool. Yeah, right? let's highlight and bold that one, please. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> the line should be the longest for Launchpad. Forget about everybody else. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Scrooge McDuck is in there as well. Oh, really? Is is he? Yeah, yeah. The in the announcement it says Launchpad oh. and Scrooge are in there. So so oh, both great. are worthwhile, but. Um, I'm I'm holding out for Darkwing personally. If they can get Darkwing in there, <laughs> I think at one of the Moonlight Magic events, I saw Darkwing Duck was meeting with people. Yes, he he was, and I'm I'm so sad that I wasn't able to go last year because I would have gotten to meet him. But that that's on my bucket list. Launchpad and Darkwing are definitely huge for me. So Launchpad's a cool one. I feel yeah. like Chippendale's a cool one too, even though like that one's been around, but Launchpad like is one you don't really see at all. Well, and yeah, and Chippendale and, and yeah, all the all the standard characters like you said, they are in in Dino Land specific costumes, so it, it's not just meeting Chippendale. It's, you know, it's a different yeah, different dressed up Chippendale. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So no, I I think this is really cool. I I'm, I'm glad they're doing something like this. Uh, I do think it's interesting. Now, one of the articles I'm reading about this does say that this could become a. It was originally kind of presented as like a temporary thing, mm-hmm. um, but apparently it's possible. I guess the show director for it said kind of insinuated that it's going to be a permanent thing. So. Permanent until they stop doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's permanent until they cancel it. Uh, yeah. Which, <laughs> yeah, could be six months, could be a couple years, right? Exactly. And, so. and I guess I, as we're talking about here, and I was kind of thinking about how Dinoland is laid out and everything, um, yeah, there's nowhere really for them to do a stage show. But, um, yeah. again, what I think about it is, um, you know how in Frontierland, how they have the different, um, uh, like, Frontier type characters walking around like you'll meet like brer brer box that uh, rare fox and brer bear <laughs> yeah and uh the guys from country bears jamboree and all that kind of stuff yeah they call uh, it yeah so it, uh, but they also do like a like they do like a square dancing thing and stuff like that i'm wondering if it'll be like that where you know that the characters kind of come out and it's a more interactive like you know they're dancing or having a party or whatever which i, I think might actually be better because I, I think those kinds of interactions are a lot more fun than you know just watching the characters on stage or whatever so yeah no i would agree i i would think it would be cool if there was a show component to this i i don't know and and maybe we're just i haven't seen I, the only two announcements i've seen about it haven't said anything about a show but it almost seems like it's a show but i'm i don't know all i've all i've seen is like kind of the concept art and and the different characters that you'll be able to meet there so um i i think it would be it would be fine if it was just a meet and greet because like i said i, I think it's a necessary thing for uh, Animal Kingdom, and and you know you always have to have those meet and greets, and plus you know Launchpad. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I would love to see them rotate in some rare rare characters into those too. I, I just think that would be be fun if they could do that. But I'm trying to think of who I'd even want to see though. I mean, I think Darkwing Duck's a good one. 
But yeah, and and I mean the thing is, is because it's very themed around you know Donald celebrating the fact that or yeah for those that don't know the story it's you know donald figured out that he's related to dinosaurs because he's a bird (laughs) so yeah so he he's you know super stoked about that and so i'm thinking you know all the the bird type characters so you know all the different ducks i would hope maybe you know huey dewey and louie at some point because ducktales is back in the in the spotlight so was DuckTales successful? Was the reboot successful? Do we know? Because I'm uh, curious. If, it's a, if it was a success, then I would say they probably... I mean, they definitely will do it, right? So season two is starting up in June, I think. June or July. Something like that. Well, I guess if there's a season yep. two, it's a, it's, a, it's a success, right? So Yeah. So, so yeah, that's coming along. And, and, and again, maybe we'll see more characters like uh, like Webigail from that as well. Would be kind of oh, neat yeah. to see you know, if they expanded on, on the DuckTales universe probably hard to find people that short to do the uh to be in the costumes <laughs> well uh, they, they they've redone huey dewey and louie and webigail that they're they're closer to like a tween type age so they're a okay, bit okay. bigger than than they were in the old ones yeah so only slightly shorter than like you know probably around the same height as scrooge just like a little yeah shorter. yeah they're a little bit shorter <laughs> than scrooge so I, I i think it's totally doable and i i do have hopes for this um I, sadly because uh i'm going to be there like next week i'm going to miss this but um we're going again in january and i'm hoping that this will still be running by then that so we can check it out yeah no i and i i would think it would be it seems like it's going to be something that they're going to be doing pretty consistently uh i mean i I don't know who knows yeah you never know with disney disney you know will will do things and say it's permanent and then they disappear um, which, by the way, I wanted to mention, I, I didn't have this on our on our list of things to talk about today, but did you see, I know you're going to be there next week, did you see that the Friendship Boats are going to be uh, closed starting May 7th? The Friendship Boats? The boat that takes you from Epcot, from the Epcot Resorts to, which is not going to affect you really at all. Oh, yeah. Unless no, you yeah, had a dinner <laughs> thing. Unless you had a dinner thing or you're going to want to go to the boardwalk or whatever. There's the, there's the bus, I mean the bus, the... Um, the boats that go back and forth between them, but that's not really going to affect you, I guess. Right. Yeah, no, that, yeah, I wasn't even aware of this because yeah, it's not even on my radar. We're, we're staying at the Polynesian. So we've got the monorail. (laughs) You got the monorail. You got the boats too. I always like taking the boats to magic kingdom personally, but yeah, we're going to, we're going to try all of them out. We're going to see what, what we like and what we don't like while we're there. So, well, you got to go on the monorail. Cause didn't you say you never been on the monorail? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's like first thing on my list. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Uh, you know, just a warning, Trevor, since you've never been on it before, it does tend to smell like a barnyard on there. Um, oh, okay. So, so to, <laughs> I, I've been on the original monorail in Disneyland. Okay. And yeah. that one's actually smaller and gets funkier on a hot day, I would think, because it's a very enclosed oh, space. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, because it's uh, the, the Disneyland one is the Mark II, and Disney World is the Mark IV, I think. I could. I probably got those numbers totally wrong. I'm sorry. I think they're further than that. I don't know. I <laughs> or is it Mark Four, Mark Seven? I can't remember. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I, mean, I, I can tell you. I should know um, this, and, and I feel really well. Okay, so the, bad the current for this. <laughs> ones, the current ones at Disney World are the Mark Six. Mark Six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I was totally off. <laughs> right, so that's maybe okay. it's the Mark Four that's at Disneyland, but that's not uh, probably right. That's but yeah, right. so so those ones are a lot smaller for sure. And so I'm I so I've been on a monorail. I just haven't been on the Disney World monorail. So yeah, I'm gotcha, definitely yeah. prepared for 
for the bar, for the how it can get. Yep. <laughs> I always called that tourist stink, um, you know, because mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody's been walking around the parks all day and the heat. And I mean, it, I, I always call it happens. summertime. Yeah, it does. Yep. I, that's, I always say, like, I've heard people complain about it. I'm like, yeah, I don't even know how they could prevent it unless they, like, just have, like, a constant, like, uh, ventilation, you know, shooting out the top of it, getting all, get rid of all the stink. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'm... Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to make a very or semi-inappropriate oh. joke here. Oh no! Uh, about how the I don't know if you saw like back in or it was earlier this year where one of the doors failed and they were yes. they were going from the TTC to Epcot mm-hmm. and the door was hanging open. I mean that that kind of solves your ventilation problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why it opened in the first place. Somebody couldn't stand the smell and they just pried it open. They're like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I, yeah, I got to just stick my head out the window. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, uh, tangents. We're going on tangents yeah. without Damon here. Damon's usually the one that takes us off in crazy directions. Yeah, but these are fun ones today. So That's true. That's true. Yep. Um, so in, in the continuation of talking about fun things, uh, so did, I don't know if you saw this, the giant statue of Woody that has been installed outside of Toy Story Land next to the Toy Story Land marquee, uh, which is, which is there. And of course it's, you know, Woody is, is tipping his hat, but it's 20 feet tall. Looks super cool. Um, I, and I guess it's kind of, what's that? <laughs> All I saw, I, I did see about this because plenty of people made articles using the double entendre about, of course they did, of course they, about yeah, a yeah. large Woody at... Yep. Disney yep, World. Yep. Yep. That's yeah. I I, I would think that could go there pretty easily. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's it's obvious, and you knew it was going to happen. But you're right. The the entrance looks great. Like I I am so excited for when that place does finally open. I think it'll be a fantastic addition to to uh, Hollywood Studios. Yeah, and I you know I, I of course this goes along with. Having something that large to when you're starting puts you in the mindset of okay, I'm shrinking down to the size of a toy. Although, with it being 20 feet tall, you're much smaller than the size of those toys, I guess. But from all of the concept art I've seen, it seems like you are just smaller than the toys that are in Andy's yard, right? Well, yeah, and I mean the idea is that you know when you look at the the landscape and everything, is that it's almost like you're standing in the grass. So yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, so you know, like if if you're in the grass, like like Woody is much taller than that, so it would make sense that you know you think of yourself as about the size of you know those toys you get out of the twenty five cent machines. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Or one of the army men, like one of the little army men. That's yeah. about your size, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So no, I just yeah. thought that was cool to mention. And those of you that haven't seen it, I'll, we'll post a picture along with the the podcast announcement on our on our Facebook page. Um, it's it looks pretty cool. I, I'm. I, I think it's going to be cool. I, I did hear a rumor, by the way, Trevor, that they that they're getting ready to start doing cast member previews followed by DVC previews. But I think it might be too late for you at this point, unfortunately. I'm Maybe. pretty sure if, if there's anything we could have reserved, I'm sure I would have heard about it by now. Yeah. So I'm, I I don't have any any um, preconceived notions that I'm going to be in there while I'm there. Yeah, I I, I mean, unless you get super lucky and just they yeah, if, somehow. If, if there's a miracle soft opening one day, then yes, but I'm not holding out any <laughs> any well, hope for that. It's so early still, and there's a lot of rumors that they're a little behind on construction. So, uh, you know, it, it would be tough for that to happen. But you guys do have reservations for the void, though, right? You're doing the VR thing. Yes, we do. We we will be checking that out. So I'm excited to hear a review of that. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, you don't worry. You guys will hear all about this stuff when I get back. <laughs> yeah. Really excited to hear about that. So, yep. so we, uh, we, Trevor and I and Damon have, t- have been kind of talking forever about having a segment, uh, on the show. And since we started creating segments for the show and doing, you know, production work and, uh, actually, you know, making segments, uh, we decided that we wanted to create a new segment and, uh, we are calling it Diz tech. And what this is, is uh, Disney technology. And actually, this week was a good day- week to start it because, man, was there a lot of tech stuff mm-hmm. uh, that was that was released or, or rumored. Um, and, and Trevor had asked, he wanted to talk uh, a little bit about Magic Bands because there's a lot of misconceptions out there about Magic Bands. A lot of people yes. don't understand the technology. They don't understand how it works. They have you know miss they they think things that incorrect things about them that they do and that they don't do so trevor's just going to talk a little bit about dispelling uh, some of those different things that magic bands can and cannot do yeah uh and yeah thanks tom so uh i guess the first thing is is that um so i'm on facebook in in a bunch of different groups and i do see people um you know, they ask questions about magic bands. They ask about, you know, can I use it to get in here, even though I bought it for like, you know, I bought it two trips ago. Can I use it to get in here and this and that and all that. Um, and some of the responses that I see just, um, it, it, it just shows, I mean, first of all, the disclaimer, I am a tech guy. I do work in, in it. So this stuff is very second nature to me, but, um, Part of my job, you know, as an IT guy is that I do help to try and demystify some of the things that, you know, go on in IT. Because if you don't understand it, it does look like magic, which in the case of magic bands is kind of a good thing. But I do like to, you know, help people be educated and understand how these things work so that, you know, it you can make the technology work for you, right? And I guess the, the first thing about magic bands is that... Um, or I guess the simplest way to understand magic bands is that uh, it's basically like a coat check service, believe it or not. Um, I know it sounds weird, but um, people seem to think that, you know, with the magic band itself, that, that that band is, you know, specific to you and it holds a bunch of information specific to you, but it actually doesn't. Uh, the magic band is actually just, um, it's what would be called, I guess, a dumb device. So, the magic band itself is uh i like uses, the term dumb device yeah, yeah it's, it's it's not a smart device because it doesn't actually do anything all it does is give you access to do things um the magic band itself uses something called rfid technology which is um, radio frequency identification technology so um it so all it has in it is a couple of little chips and there's actually two or well there's there's one chip that has a serial number of sorts in it right so that serial number is just you know a number it's actually when you when you you know go to set up a magic band and you punch in the the number on the the magic band that's letting the system know that you have that particular serial number and then the magic band itself has it has that chip and it has two uh, rfid antennas in it um a short range and a long range one so your short range antenna is that so you know when you go up to uh like when you go into the park and you scan your magic band or when you go to a fast pass and you put your magic band up against that little scanner thing um that's your short range rfid and the thing about that is that it only has a range on it of i I actually looked this up so i I did some reading on the actual magic band technology because some people have done teardowns on it and everything so that that short range antenna is only good up to like 10 centimeters 
or well, so shoot, what is that in inches? <laughs> what's that? What's that in American, Trevor? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, ten centimeters is. Uh, I let me get Google up here. Uh, I should know this, but I feel like I we don't. should all know this. <laughs> yeah. So uh, about. Th- Four About inches. four inches, yeah. yeah. yeah so, so from four inches away is as far as those short-range scanners go. But then the next question is, is how is it when you're on a ride, like, you know, Tower of Terror or Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, that, you know, it you get your your photo or your video without having to actually scan your magic band or, like, when you're on Small World and it says goodbye to you at the end of the ride and it knows your name. That's actually the second antenna that goes inside of the magic band, which is a long-range uh, RFID uh, antenna. And the thing about that one is that it's it's good up to 50 feet. Ah, I, already, I converted it already. Uh, <laughs> fi- so <laughs> nice it, it's, it's about 50 feet line of sight. So so that means it has to be whatever is scanning your magic band has to be visible. So if you know if you're if you're hiding your magic band under your like if if you you're sitting on your hands or something, uh, it's not going to necessarily register your magic band with the with the long range scanner. The other thing about that that long range antenna is that it actually has to have a battery in it. So, so in order to do that long range, is that your magic band is broadcasting your little serial number over to a receiver that's sitting fifty feet away. So, so that that's the two different antennas that are going on inside of the magic band. And so the thing to keep in mind with that is that you know people talk about. Um, or I, I've seen some things, you know, people saying, oh, you know, if, if you um, disable your magic band, it'll save your battery or this or that or whatever. But the problem is, is that if you disable your magic band in the system, um, that antenna is still running. So so the battery powered antenna, which is your long range RFID antenna, it never stops running, but it's very low power. And it's the kind of thing like they, that's where they, they say, you know, these magic bands will last for about two years with the battery inside of them. And that's not to say that the magic band becomes useless after those two years either, right? Because um, even that's just the battery for the long range antenna. Mm-hmm. If that fails, that just means you know if you're on if you're on Tower of Terror, you're not going to get the video at the end of the ride because because your magic band didn't get scanned for that. But you can still use the short range to enter the parks, do your fast passes, do all like enter your your room at your hotel and all that kind of stuff. Um, so. What, like I said, whenever I see these questions about magic bands, I, I I hope that you know to our listeners out there, you know, I hope this helps. And if you guys have more questions or if you've got more insight into how these things work, um, definitely hit us up in the comments because you know I do I do like reading about this stuff. I do like knowing more information. But everything that I've read so far about them, um, this is how I understand that it works. Is that it's just a it's a very simple device. It just has a serial number in it, and all that serial number is doing is, you know, when you scan your magic band, it's going into the system and saying which account is this serial number tied to, and then, and then that's how they're getting all their your information. So, so if yeah. you guys have any more knowledge or insight into it, um, yeah, let us know. But hopefully, this helps some people kind of understand how they work, and so it, they're not as concerned about, you know. Is my magic band going to stop working? Is it, you know, going to work for this and not work for that and all that kind of thing? So, yeah. yeah that makes total sense. I, I actually, it's funny, you were talking about technology and magic before, and I, I always think about the um, the Arthur C. Clarke quote, uh, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Yes. I love that, I love that quote. <laughs> so. Yeah, and, and it's true. And, and, and yeah, once you, once you understand the magic, it's... It, 
magic bands become less magic. But I, I guess for me is, you know, some people say, you know, you're ruining the magic, but uh, I actually appreciate it more. I oh, guess yeah. because you know because yeah. yeah because it, it is actually a very complex system and I do respect how they implemented it because it like it, it's the design behind it that's more impressive to me than actually the little rubber thing that goes on my wrist. <laughs> I no I I totally agree with that. I it's you know the one that always reminds me I like I I, I always and I don't know if you've done this one at, at Disney World yet Trevor but you definitely should even though it's it's geared towards much I think younger kids than yours but um bell's enchanted tales i don't know if you did that when we were there last time uh no so there is a beginning and this is not i I should i guess i'll say spoiler alert but um there's when you you walk into this room in the beginning you're like well where do we go from this room it's just you know there's no there's the only door that's there is the one you came through and there's a big mirror on the wall and they do this little thing uh you know this little show and they say you know well i forget exactly what they say for it but all of a sudden the mirror you know there's all sorts of magical projections around the mirror and the mirror stretches to become a door like stretches oh. out full length to become a door and i remember the first time i saw that i was like I, I, in my mind i was like okay i know that's not real but that was amazing uh and that was like one of the coolest things i've ever seen um and it just blew my mind like we'll we go we go to see bells and jansen tales just to see that and uh some of the animatronics that they have in it um but just really? the technology is incredible in it i mean uh just the different things that they have as part of it some of the effects on the show like the lumiere uh, uh animatronic the candle you know from beauty and the beast um the way he moves and everything it just it, it, the technology in that show is so underrated and uh, the the uh, talking about things that feel like magic when i saw that mirror turn into a door i was like w- wow like it just was amazing <laughs> it was amazing it blew my mind and i feel like it's one of those things that people don't talk about that much i i feel like the way you're describing it it, it sounds very similar to like the stretching room yes like it, it's it's that that illusion of you know things changing as you're standing there which yeah that that's totally a very magical thing and i can appreciate that and i i'll have to try and convince my 10 year old son that we need to go and watch <laughs> i think you check it tales. out yeah if it's, it, it frequently has like a 20 minute wait and you can definitely get in there pretty it, it always it's always one of those ones that has like an additional fast pass available you know what i mean right and i think it's a lot of people just don't know what it is but i'm, I'm telling you just that opening scene like is worth it because like you're talking about with the stretching room, you know, if you're looking at it, you can figure it out. You know, you can see some of the pieces of it and how it works. This one, I'm just looking at it and it's, it looks like a mirror. Like it looks like a legitimate mirror. And then <laughs> somehow the mirror part disappears and it's a doorway and it's just, it's mind blowing. It's, it's so cool when you see it. So anyway, that's going okay. off on a tangent, but <laughs> no, no, that, that, that's good to know. I will try to get that on the list for sure. When we're down there, definitely do it. Yeah. Um, so that being said, we're talking about fast passes. Even though what I'm about to say, it's not about fast and, passes, but and about in when park you're magic. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and in park magic. Um, I think this is interesting. So uh, Disney is coming out with uh, something they're calling the Play Disney Parks app, and it's launching in the summer. They don't say exactly when, but it's it's going to be launching in the summertime. And basically, the idea behind this it's you're going to when you're kind of waiting in line, um, it's there's going to be games that you can play. Uh, it looks like different ways that you can er- interact with the surrounding environment from a phone um, mm-hmm. and you can access exclusive experiences. Um, and this is both for Disneyland and Disney World and it's both for iOS and Android. Um, but I, I thought this was really interesting and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, uh, 
I, it, it reminds me a lot. I don't know if you, when you were there last time and you went on Soren, Soren now has like a, has like a trivia competition. If you wait in the queue line, um, and you know, and you do it from your phone, you don't do it from, uh, you used to be able to play games just by like waving and stuff, you know, and, and doing all sorts of different things in the, in the Soren queue line. But now this is like a thing you log into your phone and you do this trivia competition and you can put a name in and all that fun stuff. So I'm just thinking of this as almost like the new, I don't know. This is this is the new like uh, interactive queue in a way. Yeah, and and actually, so when they uh, they've done something similar to this at Disneyland. So oh, okay, yeah. So what they did was uh, so there's a, a show in uh, DCA called World of Color, and um, so while you're waiting for World of Color, there's a website you go to on the you have to be on the Disney Wi-Fi and in the park to use it. Um, but you play a game. It, it was like a same thing. It was kind of a trivia game, but then. Um, you would get a score. So as you were going through answering the questions, you would you would get a score. And then whoever got the highest score that was waiting in the area um, would actually get control over the lighting pattern on Mickey's fun wheel. So oh, so wow. before the show started, there uh, Mickey's fun wheel, like it, it's always changing colors and stuff like that. But then whoever won the show, they actually got a little uh, a little app that would pop up and they could pick different patterns and stuff and change how how the uh the fun wheel was lit up huh. so yeah it, uh, it, it's I wonder cool if that'll be like integrated <laughs> into this new app like if since that was a website before i wonder if they'll keep that but put it into this new app as part oh, of yeah probably yeah. And, and and i can see more stuff like that where you know yeah you're either maybe there will be things where you know it's competitive you're playing against other people or yeah, maybe it'll be trivia type things like on Soren, or just general things in, in line. You know, I, I know for me and my family, like when we're waiting in line, we we do have our phones with us. And uh, have you ever played uh, Heads Up, that the game that I, Ellen promotes? I haven't played it, but I've seen people playing it online every single time I've ever been online at a Disney at Disney line. So yeah, and and the thing about Heads Up is that they actually have uh, they have decks that are specific to Disney, and it's the same thing. You can only access those decks when you're at disney so um so yeah we've always used those in line because you know it's it it helps pass the time and it sounds like this is again next level of that is that they'll have more things like that um the interactive things what i can see them using is uh um do you know what uh, glyph tracking technology is glyph tracking so that sounds familiar it's an augmented reality thing. So, so basically, the idea behind it is, you know, you use your camera on your phone, and then when you when you point your camera at something, uh, a glyph is like a, a, it's like a design. Think of like a QR code, but it doesn't have to necessarily be a QR code. It can be like, um, like a like a, a particular design of of any kind. Actually, kind of like, um, if have you ever done? Um, sorcerers of the magic kingdom the the mm-hmm. card game yeah so so the little symbols on the cards like you know when you point your card at uh at the the different screens and and it'll do like it's the different attacks does, or whatever yeah, it does the different things yeah yeah that that's an example of glyph tracking is that the okay. symbols on those cards tell the system what to do so i can see them doing something like that with this app as well where you know you point your phone at something and then you'll see on your screen like like uh, in my head, I keep seeing like, you know, you're in line for the Little Mermaid ride, and you look at something, and then Sebastian will pop up on your screen. That that just oh, yeah. seems obvious to me, right? That you know, it'll be like an interactive, augmented reality thing, right? So, well, yeah, and I, I you know, I, I assume that at some point this is going to extend to rides too, where you know you're going to be able to 
customize your experience somehow with those. I, I was thinking, you know, they keep talking about all this customization that's going to be able to happen at Star Wars Land. Uh, I my I do wonder if there's going to be some portion of that through this app as well. Although, I feel like that <laughs> kind of ruins... on the ride, <laughs> please. Yeah, yeah, I know, I agree. Um, and I also am thinking to myself, well, are they going to use an app called Play Disney Parks when you're in Star Wars land, when you're supposed to be paying to, pay, you know, believing it, that you're in this in this immersive land and somewhere else? Like, does that kind of ruin the immersion? I don't know. Maybe they'd have their own app or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, no. But, I mean, the thing is, is when you're standing in line, like people have their phones out anyway. So, I mean, I, I would think that's kind of the idea. But yeah, you're right. You, you don't want people running around the park, you know, with their phones out, you know. Yeah. That's I mean, it, it already happens enough as it is. And there's already enough people that, you know, have their phones out on the rides when they should just be, you know, enjoying, enjoying the ride. Yeah. Instead, <laughs> instead of looking at the ride through the phone, actually looking at the ride. So I, with, I hope I'm with you. I'm with you on this. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope that it's really controlled and that you know that it's very specific scenarios that they have you doing this. Is yeah, you know, you are in line for something, and kind of like how they have the games in the interactive queues and stuff, where you know, as you're going through the queue, you're doing something, but then by the end of the queue, you put your phone away, you get on the ride, and you actually, you know ride the ride <laughs> yeah I, and i i agree with that because I, I don't know if you waited in the queue for seven dwarves mind train i have a couple times um but there's like this game that everybody likes to play towards towards like when you walk into the mountain and it actually backs up the line because people get so into playing mm-hmm. that they all of a sudden now there's a huge gap in the line and I always wonder in those situations, I'm like, okay, is it okay to pass them or, you know, because they decided they're going to stop. Yeah, uh, I, and, I think that's totally fair. If, you, if you're going right? to stop and play around in the queue, I mean, yeah. I, like, like the queue you, is you've designed. Given that, you've given yeah, up your spot line. <laughs> but, but really, I mean, at that point, is, you know, if, if you're going to stop and mess about with the game, then, you know, you're going to have another 10 or 15 people in front of you, which really, you know, you're you're adding what, an extra five minutes to your day like exactly exactly yeah. but anyway i so the what, the reason i bring that up is you know this could be kind of a solution to that because it, it's it doesn't hold up the line if you're looking at your phone necessarily you know people are usually still moving i mean i've seen plenty of people who are distracted and <laughs> hold up the line but it's it, this is a little bit different i feel like i feel like it'd be a, a little bit better to uh you know keep the line moving but i don't know i thought this was really an interesting thing uh, and an interesting concept. Yeah, it it definitely has lots of potential, but they need to implement it correctly, right? Like you said, yeah, they exactly. need to make sure that it's not, it doesn't, you know, result in a bunch of people all clustered around an area. Kind of like, um, think about how Pokemon Go was as a phenomenon when it first came out, where, you know, suddenly yeah, people would yeah. be at a, at a Pokestop or, you know, a... a a, a rare Pokemon would spawn and there would suddenly be a mob of people everywhere. You don't want that kind of thing happening in the parks more than it already does at times. So, Man, that, that whole fad disappeared within like 10 minutes, didn't it? <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's still, or at least around here, people are still doing it. Not, but yeah, it's, not it's like kind to of the it's extent, toned down. Yeah. yeah, like it was crazy for like an, a month there. and then. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, okay, so anyway, uh, yeah, I think this is a cool addition. I'll be interested to see how it's implemented and see some of the different things that they do with it. So mm-hmm. um, the next thing I wanted to bring up, and this is a cool thing, I, I, and I don't know if everybody thinks this is cool or not. I do because uh, I, I think this is really cool because I think it really fits in um, with a lot of what Disney tries to do in general and, and also a lot with the Epcot theme and, and what I like to think that, that, that Walt Disney himself would have liked. 
And that's uh, that uh, Disney's building another um, solar farm, uh, solar panel farm. Uh, so they actually, uh, some of you may know, may know that they uh, built a solar farm in the shape of uh, Mickey Mouse uh, right outside of Epcot. You can actually yep. see it from overhead overhead maps, uh, satellite images. It's pretty cool to look at. I, I'm always amazed when I look at that. I'm like, man, they really got the shape like perfect, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is kind of cool considering it's you know square or rectangular panels, but. Besides that, um, they've decided they're going to do uh, another solar project, and this time they're going to use 270 acres and build a 50 megawatt solar farm. Um, so to put that's 500,000 solar panels, and basically to put that in perspective, Disney actually put out a uh, a little flyer about this, and basically on average, the new solar facility will equate to uh, two Disney theme parks. So basically, these new solar facilities, when they're uh, operating at an average you know capacity, will be able to power two whole Disney World theme parks. How cool is that? I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> so. uh, that's great. I mean, yeah, they they need to do something with it, right? Because I mean, just the fact that the parks are getting bigger and they're they are drawing more power. Because I mean, like, I mean, look at even look at Avatar for as being as natural as it's looking. I mean, that whole place lights up at night. And, a lot of electricity. Yeah, that power has to come from somewhere. So. Yep. Yeah. Well, and this 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 will these just this solar farm will during peak sun hours will uh, provide up to twenty five percent of all of Disney World's power needs, which I mean it's pretty cool. And when I think about this, I always think of uh, the and it's too bad Damon isn't here for this, but I always think of the old Universe of Energy that you know had the solar panels yeah. on the roof. Like that was the first time I had ever seen solar panels, and really at the time, I I mean that was a pretty revolutionary thing. And if I remember correctly, the solar panels were actually functional on that building. They, they used to power the, the vehicles in the it, building. It helped with power. I think it did like, not it, the whole charge yeah. the so, battery. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me correct that. It <laughs> didn't power the entire attraction. That's for sure. Because at that time, uh, you know, the, the solar panel technology was not where it is now. And, uh, so it, it definitely didn't, wasn't able to power the whole attraction, but I, I just always remember that. And then I always think of like, you know, what Epcot was all about and fostering technology and, uh, and those types of things. And I feel like this is really kind of within that mission. And, and I just think it's really neat that they're doing this and that's, it, it is under technology. Cause I, I, view solar panels as technology right so yeah no that's uh, fair I, I i think it's a good one to bring up that yeah they're they're trying to solve their problems before it becomes a problem right yeah and i also don't think that most people know how environmentally friendly disney world is you know there's obviously a lot of uh waste that comes with running disney worlds right you have a ton of cups and plates and all those types of things, but you know, regardless of whether you throw a plastic bottle in the recycling or into the garbage, that still gets recycled. There are people that go through your garbage and find those find those recyclables and still recycle them. The Disney composts, I mean, uh, they do things like uh, their their sewage treatment plant that you know treats all the sewage for all the parks. They turn all of uh, the waste from that into fertilizer for the plants. Uh, so, I mean, they are just a very eco-friendly uh, resort, and it's really neat to see that they do things like this. So, And you know what? When I was at um, Animal Kingdom last year, it was actually the first time I've ever seen paper straws. Oh, yeah, paper straws. Yeah, yeah which <laughs> I, I wish I wish that was more of a thing. Like, it, it's, it's a pretty – I mean, it's a small thing, but it's really a big thing is, you know, all the little – like, yeah, just, you know, buying a cup, like buying a, 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 a drink – 
you know, you've got you've got a paper cup, which a lot of times those aren't even recyclable, and then yep. a plastic lid, and then a plastic straw, which I've actually found out because uh, up here that our recycling programs are really ramping up. Is that yeah, some of those things aren't actually recyclable, which is really sad. Sure, they, that they can't reuse those. But then you know, seeing that you know paper straws are a thing, that I, I think that's really cool because they're actually uh, they can be those can be recycled. They're they're compo- compostable and all that. So. Well, and and from what I'd seen too, just from I think they have signs about it too. And I think the big reason that they have the paper straws there is because of the animals, I guess, that yeah. they don't want plastic getting into the exhibits, which makes sense. But it's also, you know, I'm sure it's also because the the park is very eco friendly and very much, uh, you know, all about um, the environment and things like that too. So I'm sure that's a big part of it as well. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I would be fine with that spreading even outside of Animal Kingdom because yeah, yeah, we need we do need more of that. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. You know, in another technology thing that we were going to talk about really, really quickly here is that this was actually something that Damon brought up last week. He was like, "Have we talked about this <laughs> His thing?" Dream. Yeah, well, yeah. The- <laughs> he swore he was dreaming when he saw this. But- <laughs> he, he thought he was dreaming, and then he also couldn't. To be fair, he couldn't describe it very properly. He was he was trying, but he was he's mm-hmm. like the pictures, the thing with the pictures, and the and you know. So anyway, we figured out what he was talking about eventually, um, and 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 I don't know how we missed this news, and, and you know, because this was a, a week or so or a couple weeks ago, um, but basically a new patent was published uh, called uh, multimedia system for transforming any room into a show environment, um, and basically the system it's a system that can convert any room into an immersive experience. So, um, and this, there's a quote that's in the document that, that says conventional thinking in the hotel industry has been that it is desirable to make their guests feel very comfortable while they sleep, but to otherwise encourage their guests to leave the room to, to partake in entertaining activities such as shopping, dining on site or elsewhere in a resort or nearby city. So basically, I, I mean, this is obviously for the Star Wars hotel, right? It mm-hmm. has to be. It has to yeah. be. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't see what else it could be. Like, I mean, <laughs> this is, I mean, and, and basically what this does is it like, um, the, the so I'll, I'll just read off this article here too. Uh, the in-room show system will include everything from lighting controls to audio to, and mention of turning on stills and video playback. There'll be a show controller for the system, which links to many devices like keyboard mouses, touch screens, monitors, voice recognition. Um, and so like things can be projected onto the walls. Uh, you know, it, it seems to me like, I'm almost thinking to myself, like, can I walk into my room and like say, like, uh, you know, hey, room, uh, turn on the TV to this channel, and then like, you know what Girl I mean? Gray tea like, hot. Yeah, and then and, yeah, exactly, and then like the lights, will, the lights will come up, and then you know the it'll project onto the. I don't know. It just seems like there's a lot of cool stuff that can be done with this. Yeah, for uh, sure, and and I mean, you know, they they kind of do some of this, I guess, with. Uh, I, well, it's not really to the same level, but like in some of the rooms and some of the theme rooms is like, I know in Port Orleans is like they got fireworks on the headboard. Like you push a button and, yeah. and little fireworks go off. And it, it sounds like, yeah, this is like that next level where you really get like, you know, like cool projections and cool things that happen in the room. And, and like in, in, uh, in the Star Wars hotel, like I'm, I'm wondering if like, you know, you'll be sitting there, you know, eating dinner and all of a sudden, you know, like an X-Wing flies by or something <laughs> outside the room and, you know, you hear the shots going off and everything. So that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. It, I mean, it, you're right. Is it, it it's, it, I can't, I can't see it being used for anything outside of star Wars right now, even though 
the the patent doesn't directly mention that and they will i'm sure they probably have multiple plans for this it's just this is the only one that we're aware of right now (laughs) exactly exactly and there's another quote in here too that i think that really kind of talks about what this thing does it says quote later in the day when reservations are not possible or the family wants to stay in the show system may be switched to match room service with an accompanying whole room audiovisual theming to a guest chosen or meal matching scene or setting Uh, example provide an illusion that the room is actually a dining room at a particular restaurant or in some exotic outdoor setting Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Which, what kind of exotic outdoor setting do you think that might be? Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Some planet or, you know, maybe space. Tatooine, yeah. Yeah, no, maybe space. Maybe just straight up space. Yeah. And this actually, I feel like, almost is part of that space restaurant, too, that they kind of, that they announced at D23, but we really haven't heard anything about since then. That that restaurant, you know, where, where you're going to be, like, in space or whatever, mm-hmm. it's going to be at Epcot. Maybe this has something to do with it. But uh, the quote goes on, too, and says, uh, gaming can be augmented such with uh, playing projection, enhanced board games. Um, again, very <laughs> Star Wars, right? <laughs> chess, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then it says, when outdoor displays such as resort light shows, fireworks, and so on are being missed, the room can be used to provide an unobstructed in-room view of the light show, fireworks, or other show. So in my mind i'm thinking you know you could say watch the fireworks and then the whole all of the walls turn into like a like a 360 view of the fireworks at magic kingdom or something well or the star wars fireworks yeah if we're, exactly. if we're keeping with the star wars thing here of, of course of course <laughs> keeping with the star wars thing but yeah. I, it's I, it seems like there's so many possibilities for for this and it just seems very very cool and, and the more you're like as you're talking about like like you know changing the to match you know your dining experience and all that. This is starting to sound very like Star Trek-ish. And I'm sorry to bring up Star Trek <laughs> as we're talking about Star Wars, but you're allowed to, start, you're allowed to like, bring up Star Trek. It's there. It's cool. Yeah, I know. But, but some people get sensitive about that. Oh, and, really? Okay. Yeah. The, there's a whole Trekkie Star Wars thing. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, it, it, it almost sounds like a holodeck, doesn't it? Like, oh, like, you yeah, know, yeah, you, you just true, walk yeah. into a room and you say, you know, make it this setting. And then, yeah so that's that's a that's a good point yeah huh yeah that, that, that's gonna be so cool this is just gonna be so cool I, I, i'm i'm really trying not to hype myself up and be to the point of being disappointed when it finally comes around but it, it does have a ton of potential it really does like that there's so much they can do with this kind of technology yeah and it just and I, i'm also thinking though i mean outside of star wars there's all sorts of cool things they could do with this i mean they could do highly themed rooms at other resorts as well. I mean, depending mm-hmm. on how much this technology costs, uh, you know, that's a, that's another thing. Who knows how much it costs? But, I mean, they could do some really – I mean, we talked a long time ago. I remember we we didn't joke, but we were we were kind of brought up the idea of, like, what if there was, like, an Avatar-themed hotel, right? Q-Mat, this could apply to that, too. You could have yeah. an immersive Avatar-themed hotel room. Um, you know, there's, so there's there's lots of possibilities for it, and it's it's really – pretty neat but it has to this has to be for star wars there's no way it's for anything else well and, and i'm also yeah as, as we're talking about that is i'm thinking back to um when we stayed at caribbean beach we actually spent uh, a couple of days in one of the pirate themed rooms yeah and that in and of itself was pretty awesome like like you know having everything themed but you know again if you want to talk that next level is imagine if they take those theme rooms and suddenly you know there's a pirate ship going across the walls oh yeah or you know like like pictures start talking to you and stuff like that like <laughs> like gosh like well yeah, yeah. And they know your names because you're in your room right so they can yeah. directly address you oh man 
There's so many cool things. The, I mean, that, that's cool, but that I mean, that could also be nightmare fuel at the same time. It would probably creep me out, too. Yeah. yeah. It would creep me out, too. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, yeah. let's move on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, More fun about, with creepy yeah. things. <laughs> so um, Disney recently uh, showed off a prototype for something called they're calling a force jacket. And I, I like to believe that they're probably, uh, you know, they're doing a little Star Wars thing there, right? <laughs> By calling well, it a force jacket. But <laughs> Yes and no. I mean, yes, yes and no. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> I just, I like the cross promotion. But mm-hmm. um, uh, basically what this is, you know, right now, current VR and, um, you know, AR technology and, you know, so virtual reality and augmented reality technology, um, you know, you're really just kind of seeing things, right? And so Disney's working on something called a force jacket, where basically you're going to be wearing, well, you could wear this jacket, which um, while you're experiencing things in virtual reality, you can uh, feel, you know, things touching you, uh, squeezing, punching, hugging, um, you know, it even says that you can feel the sensation of a snake moving across your body while wearing this jacket. Mm -hmm. Um, This this is crazy and, and really cool, and this is just a prototype, but... I like first of all, I can't see this ever being used in a Disney ride. Can you imagine having to get on a ride and put on like a jacket? That would be a, a no. nightmare. Yeah, no. <laughs> it, it, this is more like um kind of like the, the, the void. void. Yeah, the void, is yep. yeah, you know that that, you know, tuned experience very and actually maybe even that um going back to the Star Wars hotel is, you know, part of these experiences is maybe part of it is, you know, you go to do an interaction and you have to put on you know, a, a stormtrooper vest or something like that. And so oh. you actually feel, you know, when, when, you know, things are going off, you can feel, you know, like blasts going off and everything. Yeah. Through, if it's put the in vest, the, right. If it's put in the context of like a costume that you're wearing, mm-hmm. uh huh. that's, that's that yeah. would be good, right. Cause if it's just like, <laughs> okay, I'm wearing a costume, I'm dressed like a, you know, like a Jedi or whatever. And then it's built into that and then yeah. you feel that stuff. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah, so so that's where I can see that kind of thing because again, the, the, you're right. In the standard uh, in the standard theme park context, having wearable tech is it's a good and a bad thing. Bad in that you know you've got so many people going through there. Is how do you like? I mean, even just look at the glasses they use for like Star Tours. Is you know they have to keep those like they have to keep cleaning them because you know you can't have like germs yeah yeah, germ germs get transmitted so it gets even worse when you're talking you know actual garments that people wear like they have to keep those things maintained and i think you know in a more controlled environment you know where it's a an interaction or something where where you know you've got less people and it and it's more tuned to the individual that's where this makes more sense to me i don't see it being at a larger larger scale like you know part of the the millennium falcon ride or anything like that yeah, I, I would agree with you. It's just the loading times for it would be ridiculous. It would just be impossible for them to maintain that. It would be for more the unique individual experiences. But definitely a cool idea. And and going along that, that route of cool ideas, um, and yep. this was something you actually found, Trevor. <laughs> I, um, I, I like this one because it's it's funny to me, but <laughs> do you want me to introduce yeah, it? Yeah, you go yeah. right ahead. I, okay. I assumed if if Damon was here, he'd probably bring this on me and make fun of me for this somehow. But <laughs> so so yeah, th- this one is uh, um, they filed a patent for a uh, a ride thrill level um, meter of some sort. So the idea is is that when you get on a ride. Um, the ride can sense various biometrics. So like, you know, heart rate, skin temperature, facial expressions, 
um, gestures, all that kind of stuff. And then it actually tailors the experience to how you're feeling. So if you're very, you know, um, stressed out or whatever, it'll dial down the amount of, or the intensity of the ride. But if you know, you're, you're happy and you're enjoying it, then the, it can make the ride more intense. So it, it, it makes the, the idea is, is that they're going to take rides and tailor them to individuals, you know, people that are, you know, wanting a less exciting, uh, or, or less extreme interaction or less extreme experience will get that. But then the people that want the extreme experience will get what they want. And actually it's funny because, you know, I think this actually speaks and I mean, Damon will probably correct me on this as well, but I think this is actually something that would speak to what he keeps saying about how, you know, a lot of Disney rides aren't as extreme as he necessarily wants them to be. And this is a way to allow both of those is that, you know, you get, you get the experiences that are more for, you know, younger families or people that, you know, don't deal with, with, uh, extreme situations very well, but then the people that want those kinds of things can get them all in the same place. But yeah, <laughs> But the funny thing about this, and, and, and I said this uh, on Facebook, is, you know, if you want the most extreme, uh, if you want the most extreme uh, um, experience out of this, do you basically have to ride a ride with a poker face so that the, <laughs> it'll keep ramping it up so that, you know, but like, you know, don't be, don't be sad or, or upset or anything, but just be like, you know, this isn't, this is boring. Stone I don't like face. this. Yeah. Stone face. Yeah. yeah. Just like bored through the whole ride. And then you get the most crazy thing that you love at the end, but you have to be like completely stoic through the whole thing. <laughs> I did find it interesting too, this patent mentioned too, that it could like, so if that's the case, it could take you on a different path maybe. Right. So like with yeah. like their trackless rides, it could take you on a different path. Um, you know, maybe that's more intense or whatever, but it's, it's hilarious that you bring that up that it's like, yeah, I mean, or like if somebody looks terrified, is it just going to be kind of a lame version of the ride? I, I almost don't like the idea of it automatically adjusting. Like I almost want to choose because I think sometimes it is fun to be scared. Right. So, or fun to, uh, not know what's going to happen and then and then just kind of you know you know scream basically you know yell and and that's a fun feeling and if if it's just taking that away by making it less extreme i feel like you're almost missing out on something right and and, and i think but that does play into you know people that that get very anxious about you know those rides and you know feeling motion sick and all that kind of thing is that i think this is to help take some of that away but i actually kind of look at it the same as you know like mission space is a good example where you have the orange and the green side right and orange is the intense you know that's what you want you want that that crazy um you know high g-force uh crazy feeling but then the green side is the more you know mellow you're just kind of going along for the visual and you know almost almost like pirates of the caribbean type ride right yeah exactly (laughs) yeah so i I was i I was almost thinking of it like if you're on dinosaur like maybe that that the the movement of the car would be a little bit less accentuated and and if you want the less extreme version and if it was more extreme it would be like a little bouncier you know what i mean that kind of thing yeah and i mean i can see them doing stuff like that too or yeah or or again you know even like star tours right is you know kind of how star tours has the different paths you can go down and, and it seems to, sh- to shuffle it is, you know, maybe adjusting that, that, you know, if, if everybody's, you know, really hyped up is that you get a really crazy, you know, space fight of some sort. But then if everybody's, you know, not liking it as much, then you go to Endor and you just kind of cruise through the forest and you're done. Right. So, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good <laughs> point. I, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. 
So that's I think that's the end of our of our uh, different you know our, our, all the different things that we were going to talk about technology wise. Yeah. Well, although our two rumors are kind of tech oriented, so um, we're going to head into the rumor section here. And yeah, uh, this first rumor. What are you going to say, Trevor? You're gonna say well, something? I was going to say they they are tech, but they're they're more like here and now kind of things. They're not you know future. Yeah. That's true. Future things. It's, you know, these, these are things that need to happen, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. So yeah. those of you that have visited Disney World recently and use the bus system have noticed that they now have uh, bus wait times at the bus stops when you're waiting. Uh, now, of course, these aren't, they're never going to be completely accurate. And I, I, and unfortunately, I think a lot of people look at these and they go, oh, it says it's going to be here in nine minutes. It's going to be here in exactly nine minutes. Anybody who's ever used Google Maps or, you know, any sort of map system to go somewhere understand that traffic happens, uh, you know, <laughs> things well, happen. I mean, like even riding your, your standard city buses, you know. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it can't be 100% accurate all the time. It can't be. But so a lot of people had for the longest time thought that this would capability would move to the My Disney Experience app. And it looks like that is going to be happening. So this is a rumor right now. We don't know if this is true or not. But um, uh, Walt Disney World News Today is is actually uh, reporting that this is um, something that is going to be coming to My Disney Experience where you're going to be able to view those bus wait times from uh, from the app, which I think would be great. I, I think that's something a great addition to My Disney Experience. Honestly, I think it's an easy win, right? Because oh, yeah, totally. I mean, they're you know they're they're spending you know time and money on those monitors that they have at each bus stop, which they definitely should still keep those because you oh, know not sure. a, yeah. not everybody has access to my Disney Experience or things to use it. So you know, or even bus... knows that it exists. There's lots yeah. of people that don't even know it's there. So yeah, exactly. You know, no, yeah, everybody coming to Disney World doesn't necessarily have a phone or. Or, or well, yeah, have the app or have the intent of even using the app. So, so it's good that they keep them there. But yeah, having it in MDE, it, it seems obvious because it, it's just another it's another system that they can hook into. Yep. From uh, again, looking at things from the technical side, from the back end, assuming that that it's set up correctly, is that it's just a feed. It'll be the same feed that you'll see on the screen at the bus stop. Exactly. But it'll just be inside MDE, which for me will be great because you know I can be in my room, and I and so you know I don't have to run out to the bus stop and find that I'm going to be standing there for 20 minutes. Yep. I mean, you still don't want you know leave it to the last minute, but you know if I if I see it's you know oh the next bus is like you know 30 minutes away or whatever is you know I'm not going to be in a rush to get out there, but you, you can kind of gauge your time a little bit better, right? So yeah, I, th- I that's exactly right. You know, I just think about in the morning when you know I'm, I, I want to go out to the bus stop and, and get to the park as early as possible. If I could look on from my room and find out how long it was until the bus was coming, that would really kind of help me with you know getting ready in the morning, figuring out how long I have to take. You know, if we're, we need to leave now, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, and really give me a good idea of my schedule. I, I think it's great as long as as long as you have the expectation that bus times are not always going to be a thousand percent accurate. Uh, you know, buses get delayed or they get rerouted sometimes. So just because the time goes up on it doesn't mean it's inaccurate. It, in fact, it just means it's really accurate, right? It's just recalculating it uh, to what the, the current uh, uh, time is. So I, I think this is a great piece of piece of uh, technology to add to this. So Yeah, and, and you know, it's, it's funny, actually. I'm thinking about, so when, when I was a kid um, in my city, our, our uh, transit system, they actually used to have a phone system that you could call in for your bus stop. So you would dial a number and then put in your bus stop number and it would tell you how long it was until your next bus was coming, which oh, nice. um, I, I remember as a, like, you know, being in like junior high and high school, 
I would call this number and then, you know, they would be like, oh, yeah, you know, the bus is arriving in three minutes. And then I'd be sprinting down the street <laughs> to try and catch the bus. And I, and I can see the same kind of thing happening where, you know, I check MDE and it's like, we got to go now. <laughs> <laughs> we got to leave. We got to go to the room. Yeah. Uh, forget the sunscreen. We'll, yeah, we'll put it on in the way. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Just, shoes. You don't need shoes. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's so going to happen. No, uh, but seriously, people put on your shoes. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. you, you need them. They won't let yeah. you in the park without them. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, so just to end this thing today, uh, the, the big rumor that's out there, and this is exciting to me. Yep. Uh, and I'm sure it's exciting to everybody is that Disney has ordered new monorail trains um, for Walt Disney World to replace the original, uh, not the original, but uh, the current fleet, which is was put into service in 1989. Let that sink in for a second. Um, that the, is 30 years. 30. They're almost 30 years old. I believe yeah. the the actual lifespan of them was supposed to be 15 years. So <laughs> they are almost double their original lifespan, which is pretty amazing. Um, and I, so the rumor is that the Main Street Theater project was actually canceled to pay for the new trains. And this is partly in response to the issue that happened with the door. We mentioned it earlier, the mm-hmm. door that opened um, mid, mid, uh, you know, uh, travel, you know, while it was traveling, uh, that door opened. And I, I guess finally, you know, I'm sure all of the people that work on the monorails have been for, you know, ever been like, Hey, we need to replace these. We need to replace these. We need to replace these. And then finally that was like kind of the last, uh, you know, the straw the last, that last broke straw. the camel's back. Yeah. yeah. The last straw. And so the, the rumor is that they canceled the main street theater project that was announced at D 23 to pay for the trains. Um, rumor it's rumored that the trains will be built by a um, Bombardier in Canada. So look at that. Hey, uh, Mm-hmm. For you guys there in Canada building the monorails, <laughs> yeah, they they do good stuff. I mean, they those uh, those monorails are used all over the world. So yeah, and actually their their latest fleet of monorails are automated. Which I was thinking to myself, I know Disney's been updating their system to uh, try to automate their current uh, monorails uh, that they have, and that has never come to fruition. Um, you know, they've been working on that for quite a long time now, several years. Um, so I, I do wonder if when these new monorails do come, uh, if they are going to be uh, driverless. So I, that would be really interesting to me if they did that. Um, um, yeah, I mean, it, don't they already have that at the uh, the Orlando airport? The, they the do. driverless I mean, trams? There's, there's lots of trams that, uh, that are out there that are completely driverless. So it wouldn't surprise me, especially since that's the current technology, if they just were to do that at Disney World, too. Now, I don't know if there's more complicated needs at Disney World because of, uh, you know, handicapped folks and people with strollers. And, you know, when they have to hold the train up, sometimes you get people on. I don't know if that's an issue, but I'm sure that's something they can work through. What's yeah. interesting. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, well, I was going to say, I, I, I think with those kind of situations is you're still going to have um, attendance on the platforms. Like they, they can't, yes, you know, just, yeah. you're never going to see like, you know, no cast members. It's, there's still going to be people helping with, you know, getting people on and off and all that. So. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. Uh, what, what is interesting about this? Uh, and this was a, a recent kind of addition to the story because this is rumor, but, um, Bob Gurr, uh, the famous Imagineer, uh, who was, you know, responsible for designing a, a lot of the uh, early designs for the monorails, uh, kind of sort of confirmed that Disney has purchased new monorails, that the contract was signed, and that they are in production. Um, I say kind of, sort of, because he never, he, I mean, he kind of said that there was a contract in place, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, so, yeah, it hasn't been officially announced, but it sounds like, you know, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't think Bob Gurr would be talking about it if it wasn't, you know, pretty solid at this point. And, and again, you know, let, let's take all that with a grain of salt, too, is that, uh, I mean, he, you know, he knows what he knows, but uh, I mean, the thing kind of like with the uh, the theater on Main Street is, you know, plans may change but i'm really hoping that these trains don't because i would love to see them upgraded i i mean i'm i'm tempted to say this rumor is definitely true because they they these are 30 year old trains they need to replace them i mean there is no if ands or buts they need to be replaced so and it it would be cool i i would love to see like a really neat new futuristic version of this like because obviously bombardier has like a, a standard version of what they look like um, but it would be really neat if Disney, you know, because Disney will obviously design these to their own specifications. They'll have a cool design to them. So I, I'm hoping it's something really, really cool that they do with them, and they're not just like a standard look to them, you know? Yeah, and that was that was my understanding with uh, the the article that we were reading is that yes. they they're requesting a, it's a standard type of monorail, so one of the ones that that they currently manufacture, but they're doing custom bodywork on it so that yeah, it does fit. The, the Disney monorail aesthetic. So it's, yeah, it doesn't yeah. just look like any other monorail. Agreed. Yeah. So that, that'll be, that's going to be really cool. I actually think it'd be cool if they did like a different, like some of the, the, the each train like had like a different flair to it design wise that if they look, didn't all look the same, I feel like that would be really right. neat. So are you thinking like, I know they do the wraps on them sometimes, you know, where they're promoting something or, or are you thinking that each train would, would have a significant body design, like a different difference? style, like a different, you know, like, um, like the Disneyland one looks way different than the Disney world one. Right. Right. Like, so maybe you throw in like one that looks like the Disneyland one or, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, hmm. I'm not a designer, so, but I'm sure they'll all be the same because I'm sure the cost and time to do that is, is too much and but... maintaining them too. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. It, sure. There are different body designs. I can see where that could be a problem. I can see that too, but yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm excited about this. I, I think it's good, and, and you know it'll it'll really help uh, you know keep the keep the monorail as a feasible uh, transportation uh, option throughout Disney World. So yeah, and I mean especially you know looking at what we like, we have Toy Story Land coming, we have Star Wars Land coming. The place is just going to get busier if they don't do something about those monorails sooner than later. Um, I mean, I can't imagine if that like I. From what I've read and heard, I mean, yeah, there's that issue back earlier this year with the door not closing, but there's been multiple malfunctions and points where the monorail has just not been operating because they, like, at various points, yeah, various points, there's been pretty big failures that they've had to fix. And, I mean, I can't imagine when, you know, they're super busy as, you know, Hollywood Studios ramps up again and there's more and more stuff coming for them to say, Oh, you know, you gotta get on the bus, or you gotta like we gotta run more buses. Like that's not, that's not, yeah, yeah. that's not in the cards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not gonna happen. So, all right, cool. Well, why don't yeah. we? Uh, do you have anything else to mention before we wrap this thing up? Uh, the only other thing I'm gonna mention right now is so I am going to be in Disney World next week, so I will get to see and experience some of these things we talked about firsthand and you know i'll be keeping an eye out obviously on the toy story land progress and star wars land and everything there probably won't be much to talk about but um hopefully when i get back so i I won't be back in time for the next podcast because we'll still be we'll just be coming back that day um but after that i will have a a trip update for you guys great yeah no i'm excited to hear 
all the all the stuff from your trip, especially you know seeing all the construction and all the different things that are going on. So, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm you'll share some pictures pictures on our Facebook page or yeah, Instagram, for sure. I'll, sure so. I will I will try and post pictures. Of, so I will post them to Facebook, which means they should get posted on Instagram. Um, I suck at Instagram, so I'm not even going to attempt <laughs> it this time. Um, but yeah, as as I see cool stuff, I will. Uh, try to make sure I get it up there so that you guys can all check it out. Perfect. Well, uh, go ahead and uh, get us started wrapped up here. All right. Well, uh, so yeah, um, as uh, we've been talking about things here, um, any questions, comments, uh, any of that kind of stuff, um, you can of course reach us by email, um, which is welcome home podcast at gmail.com. Um, we also, uh, we have our website with our very limited profiles and all that, which actually really, I think our website kind of <laughs> goes back to Facebook, but if you want to go to the website, it, it, it is www.welcomehomepodcast.com. Um, again, always looking for questions or, um, if you guys have things you want us to talk about on the next podcast or, or you want to talk about things that we did talk about here, we, we love hearing that from you guys, um, on Facebook, uh, um, if you guys can, you know, like, follow, share us again, that helps get us more visibility. We, uh, we see people asking about, uh, podcasts on various Facebook groups and stuff. We do try to, you know, mention the podcast for people to, to discover us and, you know, hopefully like us. But, um, if you do want to find us on Facebook, uh, we are, uh, welcome home podcast, all one word on Facebook on Twitter. It's uh, welcome home pod and Instagram is welcome home picks. And uh, as usual, if you did happen to find or if you did downloaded us on iTunes or Google Play, um, leaving reviews for us uh, gives more visibility as well so that more people can find us that way, too. Yeah. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to the uh, podcast to Welcome Home so you can be reminded every time we release a new episode. Uh, that way, when we uh, send one out, you guys get an alert on your phone telling you that a new episode of Welcome Home's out and you can listen to our, our latest episode. Um, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, um, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, just about any place you can find podcasts. Uh, you can find us. You just have to search for Welcome Home and we will be there. Um, and just a reminder to our listeners, Welcome Home Podcast is for entertainment only. We are not employed by the Walt Disney Company. And as such, any and all opinions we express on this show are our own. So please consult your DVC representative, Disney cast member for more information. Um, and uh, join us next time for more Disney Parks discussion. Of course, more DVC talk. We hope to see you all real soon. This is Skipper Albert Awall, the voice of the jungle, signing off from Welcome Home Podcast on the DVC. Do a huddle when we hit a chair. How she can cuddle is no man's affair. I looked around from pole to pole, found her in a sugar bowl.